0: Welcome to the Battleground, Wisconsin. My name is Matt Ruskin and I'm the Deputy Director here at Citizen Action. And welcome to another week from Wisconsin. And we are just in front of our president, excuse not our presidential, our, our spring primary election next Tuesday, February 18th. And we have our full panel here, which means Claire Zauke, our Director of Healthcare, is with us. Claire, how you doing?
1: I'm great, thanks.
0: Good to have you. And Robert Craig, Executive Director here. Robert. Good day, everyone. So we are going to dive in. We we are going to talk about the presidential race, particularly, obviously, the Democratic side. Um, we're also going to, of course, talk about this uh, primary election next Tuesday. We have some important races. Uh, the legislature was in session this week, and we have much to talk about what they did and didn't do Uh, Also some additional election stuff around uh, just voting, uh, more information around purging, some things around absentee ballots. And we'll also be joined by Citizen Action co-op member Alex Brower, who is also our endorsed candidate for Milwaukee City Comptroller. Um, And we're going to have Alex on just to talk about the unusual and unique and very interesting campaign he is running for Comptroller in terms of what he would like to do with the office that is very different. Um, So that's why we thought we would have him on to talk more about that. But, hey, let's dive in to the presidential primary. So Tuesday, we had our first uh, actual primary. I got past the Iowa caucus, which the results are now in. It looks like Sanders won but lost in the delegates. But in New Hampshire, Sanders won again narrowly. But um, a tie in the delegates, uh, Buttigieg second, right. But the big sort of pieces of news, really, the big news was one: Klobuchar doing very well, third in the nineteen percent range. But then also the, the the sinking ships of Biden and Warren. So, Robert, you look very eager to offer your insight. We, I just want to get some 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 thoughts on coming out of New Hampshire, and then of course, right, we haven't even mentioned the three candidates that stepped down immediately after, so we're a little lighter. Although um, Bloomberg is uh, really starting to come back into the fold, uh, or will be coming back on Super Tuesday. Robert, your initial thoughts, and then Claire coming to you, uh, coming out of uh, New Hampshire. Now, I was not fully resolved, because Associated Press
2: still says you cannot trust the results, and the party chair resigned and then as far as the people leaving the race the only one that you can remember was running is Andrew Yang and now he did have a very significant race the others i uh, challenge people in a couple weeks to remember that they were running
0: yeah i will just quickly point out Yang did has brought i think some new voters into the process yeah. and engaged some people who you know are probably pretty cynical about uh, politics so that is and, and, and ideas big obviously. deal for Asian
2: Americans being much more front and center in our political system as they are a very fast growing and significant constituency in the United States uh, but as far as the results look we're very early but these early uh, primaries and non-diverse states do have an impact right and do affect momentum so uh, Biden is on life support partly because he also doesn't have much money. So I'd say the main difference between Warren and Biden is Warren has organization and money, so she has more staying power to see if things start to break differently. And it's very damaging to her. But in Biden's case, he has a firewall in South Carolina, and he has to rely on this notion that African-American voters are exceptionally loyal to him, which I frankly think is a doubtful proposition, but we shall see. But the big thing is this, in my opinion. We have the rising stars, or starlets could be very temporary, of Mayor Pete and Amy Klobuchar, but they're near zero in polling among people of color who are 50% of the Democratic electorate and primaries. And so can either of them break through? Can Bernie seize That group and and make himself the overwhelming front runner, or would as many establishment voices want to talk about? Would they? um, Would they actually go to Bloomberg despite two different immediate scandals that have come up? One around his remarks about why he did stop and frisk because of all the. Violence and crime in minority neighborhoods. I believe that was the wording. And now blaming redlining, and this is on tape, getting rid of redlining, excuse me, for the financial collapse in the Great Recession, when in fact it was banks exploiting people and it had nothing whatever to do with that. And so, and and the question with Warren, I'll reason I'll get, say that uh, she has some legs is is that she's changed positions too much, probably, but I'll give 20% here, that she's trying to be the unifier between the two factions, the moderate faction, progressive faction, and who knows, that could, if she can stay in the race and have money and and organization, could matter later because people may have uh, only bad choices after a while moving forward. As far as their choice, not our choice, I think it has to be Bernie or Elizabeth or bust.
1: I I think that um, there's a lot of weight that's put on what happens in Iowa and New Hampshire, um, and and for good reasons. Historically, um, those have been decent predictors of who the uh, who the eventual Democratic nominee will be. Um, but I think that this is a uniquely, in a lot of sense, maybe not unique because I don't know all of history, right? Um, but I think this is an uncommonly crowded field still, and that um, folks who are declaring that there is one front runner or another front runner. Um, uh, I I think are a bit disingenuous. Um, I think we can say that there are some folks who are, who are leaders or right, or who are ahead ahead right now. Um, but there's something like what 95, 98% of the delegates are, are still out there. And I think we got to give it at least a couple more primaries before we can really say that somebody is a leader or not. I will say this about Amy Klobuchar. I think she played the debacle in Iowa really well. I think that there are some folks that like did not handle it well. Like Joe Biden clearly had like a little bit of an emotional moment, um, um, and um, and I think did not respond react in a smart way, um, but Amy Klobuchar did. She she like let the the attention and the chaos sort of draw a lot of attention over to Iowa, and then quietly went to New Hampshire, and just. was able to pretend like it didn't, like it didn't happen. And, and that was to her benefit because, you know, she got into all these little house parties that are, that are fun and a big deal in New Hampshire that are part of their political culture. She got in front of people, she worked it and, and I, that's what I account for her, for her surge um, in, in New Hampshire. Again, I don't know if that's going to be possible in other states. That might be something that's uniquely possible in New Hampshire, just based on their political culture. Um, but as far as politics, I think she played. She won the, you know, how to make the most out of the Iowa debacle.
2: Now there was a debate performance, though. I do wonder how much it was the actual performance versus the pundits all saying that she had a breakthrough moment and won the debate. They sure. were at least equally influential. Self-fulfilling promises. Yes, prophecy, exactly. Because yeah. the pundits actually influence people's
0: perception.
1: Virtuous of the circle. Yeah.
0: yeah. So. Um, one thing that I would, you know, I think is an interesting dynamic, and I just want to get both of your thoughts on. I think it's it, it, the, the way it's breaking up is probably advantageous for Sanders if there isn't movement right now and people dropping out and 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 if there is, if it were Warren that would most likely obviously benefit Sanders because he's not going to get all the Warren supporters, but certainly get you know a decent chunk, right? Um, the problem for the moderates and everyone else or the money candidates or whatever you want to call them, not the the progressive left, is there's too many candidates and they're divided up and there's too many good or surging, i.e. or well-funded, right? So you've got Pete, you've got now Klobuchar, and then you've got big spending Bloomberg, and Biden says he's not going away, right? So like, they're going to divide up a ton of votes and... If Sanders or the left just continues to be able to solidify or stay around 30 to, you know, 35, say if Warren were to drop out or there's just sort of more solidification, I mean, it's really tough unless there's major dropping out of some of these moderates going forward heading into Super Tuesday because – um, it's going to divide up, and you know, I just think the person with over thirty percent is going to be a giant in a field like that. Look, I think there's going to be a consolidated moderate candidate, and it scares me that in New Hampshire,
2: the moderate candidates outpolled if you add them all up, Bernie and
0: Elizabeth. So that scares me a bit. How does that happen? Explain that Explain that to me when you say there's going to be a consolidation before Super Tuesday.
2: I didn't say before Super Tuesday. I well, said what, a consolidation. But at the end
0: of Super Tuesday, how many delegates if Bernie, is it cemented in, then? In my
2: opinion, if Bernie starts to look like the overwhelming frontrunner, there's going to be incredible pressure from establishment to get one moderate candidate, and there's going to be a consolidation. That's what right I think. Right after so, Super Tuesday, you're and saying. And my little... I don't. I can, I'm not going to predict the timing, right. but I'm going to. I'm going to say it's inevitable, and I'm going to say that I'm not sure we're not better off with Elizabeth as an insurance policy, and holding a certain amount of progressive votes rather than Bernie jumping up by 20 points, and then there being this panic among the establishment and moderate inclined voters uh, to take down Bernie with anyone, including Bloomberg, which is my biggest fear. I think Claire.
1: I, th- I think that's really interesting, and the only thing I'll add is that I think that the I would not be surprised if the trajectory of of um, who does well and who the nominee ends up being changes dramatically based on the order in which candidates drop out, right, and the and the order in, in which people go to their their second choices, right. So, like if, if Biden and Klobuchar, for example. Were to or or Biden um, and uh, Buttigieg were to drop out, and then their votes go to Colbert. I think that that's dramatically different if that happens before, like you know, Warren suspensor campaign or something, right? Which I'm, like, you know, crossing myself. I, that's not, I don't want that <laughs> to happen. Yeah, I, I, lo- say, I, I love like, my lady. And I want her to There's a bunch of in. listeners
0: whose hearts are going, I know, <laughs> I, know I, I know, know, I know a lot of you Warren supporters out
1: there. Um, yeah, right. But, like, I think the order in which these things happen dramatically yeah. changes. So it's not just, like, who drops out, but, like, when and in what order. I think it makes a big difference.
0: Yeah, no, this is going to be uh, very exciting. Uh, this was a great conversation, a lot of great points. But we got to take a break. Here at the Battleground, Wisconsin. When we come back, we're going to talk about the spring primary elections. Uh, we're Citizen Action. You can find us at citizenactionwi.org. Welcome back to the Battleground, Wisconsin. We're Citizen Action. We are talking about the spring primary elections. Uh, so, Tuesday, February 18th, everybody, you got to make sure you go vote. Uh, by the time most of you are listening to this, I believe early voting is probably shut down for most folks, but uh, you might still be able to get out and do that on Friday. Uh, but want to talk to the panel. Um, this is um, These are some of our lowest turnout elections, these spring primaries, these nonpartisan spring primaries. Uh, the major driver on the ballot statewide is uh, the state Supreme Court race. And just a reminder to our listeners, um, there's a uh, there's been a number of articles out this week. But um, we did dual, Citizen Action did dual endorse uh, Jill Karofsky and Ed Fallone, um in that race. Uh, but uh, there's other important races that I just want to quickly mention and throw it to the panel for some thoughts, particularly about the Supreme Court. Also in northwestern Wisconsin, uh, the seventh congressional district uh, primary election. Uh, is, is is happening. And there is a contested Democratic and Republican side there. A citizen action has endorsed. Our member Trisha Zunker is running uh, in that race. Um, but then we also have some very important uh, local races. Here in Milwaukee, for example, both the mayor and county executive are up. Um, thoughts on this primary, obviously very low turnout Supreme Court' going be this is a big thing that's going to really decide who is, who is the progressive alternative. Um, to our incumbent uh, current justice. Claire?
1: I would like to say a lot of things about the spring primary process. Uh, Ah, yes. So so instead of talking about specific um, candidates, what I'll say is that... First, we don't talk a lot about circuit court judges that are uh, elected in Wisconsin and that act as a an actual literal bench um, for um, people to sort of springboard themselves for electability to the state Supreme Court, um, and also people who have um, judges at the county level um, and, and even municipal level to a certain extent, um, who have a lot of uh, influence actually on um, like how severe sentencing can be for for certain crimes. A lot of um, sort of state level crimes are obviously tried um, by um, prosecutors and district attorneys and whatnot, um, and appear before county circuit court judges, and um, and they have, they have a great deal of control over sentencing. Um, and so we should be paying attention to the. Um, the ideology that circuit court judges um, campaign on and bring to the bench. And um, the the fact that um, spring elections are such low voter turnout elections traditionally, um, I think means that the power to elect these people who um, sentence often the most vulnerable members of our community pretty harshly, um, or at least who have that power to, um, um, is, is an example of sort of the institutionalization of, of power and control in a small segment of the community that is often falls along um, uh, racial and socioeconomic divides. So I, so I want to talk about how important it is that we vote for these county level judges, because um, they they often don't get a lot of attention. And it's hard to know what kind of questions to ask them sometimes to get at, you know, not only do they have the expertise to hold this job, but are, are we okay with the ideology um, that they are that they are bringing to the job.
0: We're going to talk more about uh, criminal justice, particularly what some bills uh, that passed in the legislature, mm-hmm. but this is related, right? Like asking, trying to get a, a sense of what is their approach? Do they believe we're currently locking up too many people? Do they have a different approach uh, to, to the current mass incarceration? Robert? So quickly on Supreme
2: Court, the people need to, I think everyone knows that uh, the incumbent, it's a walker appointee who is unqualified and partisan and has had a party, the Republican Party, actually help him publicly in the election. So he he's an unqualified hack that needs to be taken out by one of the two candidates, uh, Falone or, or Karofsky. And then as far as Claire's remarks on local judicial races, she is totally right that they're extremely important. The challenge is that... These folks don't run on what they believe. And there's this weird ethic that we're going to have elected judges, but we're just going to all say we're qualified and impartial. We interpret the law. And so it's up to voters. And by the way, the mailings will not help you, and so which is the most you get from judges. And by the way, they're often not competitive races either. Uh, but uh, the only thing left is to actually meet these people, which is going to be a much smaller subset, more possible in a spring primary, but still very difficult. Uh, so really, we need to go to a merit-based selection system. I'm sorry, this is—I don't—I don't have confidence that there's public assent to the judicial of philosophies of, of most judges that are on the bench in Wisconsin, one way or the other. We've
0: had this conversation as it relates to the uh, uh, state supreme court. Claire, you look like you're going to say something.
1: Oh, I was going to ask um, what you mean by a merit-based uh, system. I'm super curious to yeah. hear more about what that looks like.
2: There are a lot of different states with different models, but they. They all come down. Some of them are not good. Like Illinois used to have a corrupt one uh, that that uh, that chose more of the white machine judges than others. But uh, the good ones, and I think Illinois has been reformed or is being reformed, but are literally about having some sort of uh, uh, rating of uh, uh, providing of possible uh, candidates that want to run that have passed some kind of independent vetting that they are qualified. And then a, uh, and, and there are two different models. There's one where only those people can run. There's another where someone like a governor actually appoints, but off a list. So a governor Walker could not just choose partisan hacks uh, to, to be in the state Supreme Court because they, Mr. Kelly or, or, or some of the previous uh, folks he's had on the bench, uh, would not have ever been put on any kind of merit selection list that he could have chosen from
1: yeah I think it's so interesting that in the United States there are all of these dramatically different ways of administering government at every single level um, that that vary by county by municipality by state it's and and then we often don't know about them because we only know what our state does. Um, and so that is such a that's such a compelling way and different way to think about how we could go through this process. But so many people, myself included in this conversation, just didn't just didn't know. Um, sorry, now I'm now getting on my like, no, it's things that frustrate me about the United States sometimes. Remember Michael
2: Gableman, the man <laughs> who yeah, ran. I you was going to bring up Gableman. Racist ads. He would never have been on a merit selection list, even if you had gubernatorial appointments off of such a list rather than, you know, completely separate from politics.
0: Yeah, and uh, we've talked about this before, particularly as it relates to the Supreme Court, um, and it it initially sort of goes against our instincts, right? More democracy and the idea that there's somehow uh, a filter that is not public uh, that decides who even can enter the field to play seems undemocratic, um, but this process. Uh, Certainly, as we've had it now, as it relates to the Supreme Court, has also not necessarily produced uh, justice, to say the least. We'll certainly continue to talk more about that. Um, Any other thoughts folks had on any other races? Um, I know uh, the congressional race up in the northwestern part of the state, really Wausau and then further north, um, both the Republican side and the Democratic side have contested primaries. Um, Surprisingly, I thought the Republican side would be just a coronation of Tom Tiffany, but he has actually received a an opponent who has uh, been fairly well-funded um, and appears they're trying to out-Trump each other, I think is... I was going to say, <laughs> it's if like, he has un, un- it's like unqualified is, and uh,
2: partisan as Mr. Tiffany, that's uh, po- probably, probably possible in the modern Republican Party. Uh, but I was going to add the Milwaukee <laughs> County exec race, yeah. which we've talked about, it, just to say that very hot race. There's been a massive independent expenditure and intervention to the race more which is like double what all the candidates are spending which is something we need to ban and with with reforming citizens united and having a campaign finance system and citizen action did endorse uh our organizing co-op member Chris Larson, but we also said positive things about another candidate,
0: David Crawley. So I just want to remind folks of that. So yeah, a lot of really, really important races uh, next week. And most of these are local, right? So you all know them, but please, if you haven't, uh, particularly some of these judge races uh, that Claire brought up, please spend some time uh, taking a look in and trying. You all, you do have to look for clues, right, to try to suss out where some of these folks are from their public literature. But uh, spend some time. These are important primaries and get out and vote uh, next Tuesday. Um, but with that, we are going to move on. Um, I want to talk about a couple of things that are related to our election system and uh, bring up, actually, again, it's uh, the purge. Uh, the purge. We've talked about the voter purge. Uh, that is currently suspended, uh, thanks all, in large part to our election commission and some, uh, some leadership there. Uh, but there was a really really good story that um, WTMJ TV did here in Milwaukee where they went out and actually went and tried to go talk to at people's houses folks that were on the the voter purge list and not a big shock given what we thought going in, but there were plenty of people who were on that list who actually still live there were registered there, but just you know either didn't see the the mail and stuff and just really shows how um, bad a process this voter purge was Uh, but we'll have a link to that um that story because it's it's really important there's a couple of really good interviews with people that just sort of talk about what it's like to actually be on that list and You know, kind of really how that makes you feel to just sort of have it callously uh, uh, sort of tossed away that way.
2: And and those listening on the radio can go to the Battleground Wisconsin section of the Citizen Action of Wisconsin
0: website. Yep, and there'll be a link there uh, where you can go uh, see that story. But uh, we got to take a break. Um, When we come back, we are going to talk. We're going to talk some more about some of what's been going on in the state legislature this week because, hey, you remember there was going to be a special section on education. We're going to fix everything, right? All right, we'll be right back. Welcome back to the Battleground, Wisconsin. We're Citizen Action. You can find us at citizenactionwi.org. Well, the legislature was in session, folks, so you know good things were happening. Um, We need to talk about them. In particular, we got to talk about this, uh, quote, tougher on crime bill. That the GOP trotted out this week, and um, it's a dog, right? Like it's really, really bad. It's it's basically it's like it came out of the nineteen nineties, tough on crime. Uh, Well, again, it's tougher on crime. I must uh, reiterate the ridiculous title, title, which has produced some very ridiculous press releases. Um, Look, it's a step in the wrong direction. We have mass incarceration. We have talked about that on the show. We've had Evan Goike on the show. We've had other folks on the show talking about this issue. Uh, Governor Evers promised to cut uh, prison rates. Um, And even Republicans, both nationally and in this state, Some of them started talking about uh, trying to look at ways for alternatives. And then we have this garbage, Bill's, I think it was Bill's Bill, uh, that essentially is looking to find ways and loopholes to pull more people uh, back into the prison system, uh, just absolutely uh, step in the wrong direction, Claire.
1: Uh, I would like to say, first of all, that you, I had one joke plan for this entire <laughs> podcast and you stole my joke. I Did was gonna, I? I'm I sorry. going to 1990s called and they want their crime they policy They want their back. crime
0: policy back. <laughs> that, that's good. Uh, 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 you're good.
1: Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I, you can't see him flipping my hair right now. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, this is very clearly um, the Assembly um, and Senate Republicans. Uh, doubling down on what are proven to be really, really ineffective and harmful policies. Um, so much so that, uh, that that these exact same types of policies are being uh, condemned on the national level. Right. I mean, like Joe Biden has had to answer for the, you know, his actions with the 94 crime bill um, speak, just because they've proven to be so, um, counterproductive and, and and harmful and destructive to um, communities, especially um, communities of color and the black community. Um, and so, you know, we, here we have Wisconsin Republicans with their fingers in their ears going, la, 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 we should do this because it's going to be not a problem in Wisconsin when it has been in other places. And because it makes it easier for them to go and campaign on the public tax dollar for six months while they run for reelection. Um, it, it, you know, it's just clearly them throwing the community um, under, under the bus. It, it's shameful.
2: So what this is really about, since what Claire said is irrefutable, is uh, politics and revving up the red, segregated Milwaukee suburbs ahead of the election because they know that leakage in those suburbs is what cost Walker re-election. Period. And so they've gone back to this. They're, they're just going to try to get every last scrap out of the, you know, dog whistling, it's crime of those people in the Milwaukee kind of message uh, until they're finally outnumbered and until there's actually slowly but surely more diversity in the, in, in the, in the exurbs, really, the suburbs outside of Milwaukee County. Uh, and so, I mean, you don't even, I mean, they're going to get, they're going to make revocations uh, mandatory that is being thrown back in jail um, if you violate any parole procedure if you're not convicted of another crime and given no discretion even to the parole officer so that is just a way to increase the size of uh, of the prison population uh, a new prison some people think this would co- these might cause us need two more billions eight hundred million dollars a year yeah. so if you think about this what does this do it doesn't make us safer. Okay, that's very well established. It costs a ton of money that we can't spend on education, can't spend on any poverty programs or job creation programs for people left out of this economy, all of which would make us safer. Uh, and then in addition to the cost and the not making us safer— the worst part is it ruins lives, putting people, segregating them unnecessarily in prisons, and then bring them back without uh, any necessary support or opportunities so they can languish and live as second-class citizens, which is what it is. It's a modern caste system. That is what the new Jim Crow is, is immoral and outrageous. And this for what? For political advantage in the hopes that Republicans can keep this state in the Trump column. It is Disgusting and outrageous. And I agree with Representative Evan Goyke, who is really on the Democratic side, one of the great voices on criminal justice reform. There are others as well. But Evan's doing a great job saying, what are all those folks out in the suburbs doing, talking mostly about the area I represent? from the areas they represent. It's, it, it's scandalous that way as well. And by the way, they're strangling the city of Milwaukee in terms of money, resources for anything, schools or anything else, uh, with state policy because they dom- they've dominated state policy since uh, 2011.
0: So this all occurred on the week we were supposed to have a special section session to put a quarter million dollars, a quarter, quarter of a billion dollars into education, right? Um, no. Special session didn't occur. Instead, we have this. We have this. This is one of the most outrageous bills that this actually occurred in this session, given what's going on, right? Given that this is a week where we found out there was more revenue, we could have put money into education, which actually starts to address this And by the way, crime is down in Milwaukee 25%, which Evan Goyke pointed out and everybody else. But this isn't about
2: facts. And they didn't do gun safety either if they're concerned about violent crime, Matt. And furthermore... Quite frankly, um, they could say that there's this outpouring of interest from the public. Four people testified for it, two of them were the bill's sponsors. Uh, One was the police chief of West Dallas. Shame on him. And one was the uh, leader from the Milwaukee Police Association, the right-wing walker-supporting police association union.
0: So uh, shout out to all of the... um the uh, democratic leaders who step up and spoke very passionately in opposition to this. This is, um, it was, it's a kind of a, it's a slightly traumatic day to have to go through this when you're, you're trying to make progress in this area. And this really goes, goes backwards. Um, and let's just be clear, this is a, dis, this is discriminatory bill, right? Cause we know, uh, the impacts it's going to have. And, and so it just, it's awful. Um, and, by the way, they also had a bill. They passed a bill uh, against bestiality this week. Instead of like actually addressing education or putting more resources into education, so and let's um, call out the shame leader. On shame let's, on them for let's this. Let's call out
2: the leader of this effort, Rep. Joe F- uh, Sanfilippo. Uh, whose family owns a taxi company that, my understanding, does not have the greatest, not the greatest place to work for workers. And so let's call Mr. Sanfilippo out as well for demagoguing on this issue.
0: And before we let this um, segment slip away, we do need to talk about another piece that was done um, and (laughs) finding a way to make things worse. Uh, They basically uh, passed a bill around the uh, uh, sexual assault uh, kit testing, Claire, I'm sh- you know more quality legislating that uh, is actually not happening and is going to have a real impact on people.
1: Let's talk about why this bill was necessary in the first place yes. and, w- and why it's being talked about in the legislature. So so um, back towards the end of or ish uh, of um, Walker's administration it was revealed that there were thousands of untested uh, rape kits uh, it's just sitting around in Wisconsin and um, Brad Schimmel Josh Call's um, predecessor had applied for some or received I don't know how it came about received some millions of dollars from the federal government in I think 2015-ish to um, try to clear up this, this backlog and get things moving and he didn't test a single rape kit it took him yep. I think like two years Years to start testing uh, these rape kits, and then and then finally towards the end of his term, he announced that they that they'd gone through out of six thousand, they'd gone through like four thousand of them or something, right? And so uh, there clearly is just not a commitment to um, protecting victims here. I mean, we want to talk about being tough on crime in the in the last segment, right? I mean, this is clearly an example of of not actually caring about crime because if you did, you would you would care about getting these rape kits tested. Um anyways and so um it, it got so bad that i i think something like 6 or 9 folks were actually criminally um charged in in this backlog um and, and, and so we have a history in Wisconsin of not doing this well. Um, and Josh Call um, campaigned on this issue and made it a priority of his.
2: One re- election, partly one, based on it.
1: One election, partly based on this. Um, you know, super glad that he's yes. elevating this issue um, and actually proposed, um, now that this backlog is basically cleared up, some um, protocols and procedures to help ensure that it never happens again. And these pieces of legislation that he backed um, got bipartisan support. They passed out of the Senate, and then Robin Voss and his you know little cartel of legislators who control things in the assembly. That's Mm, not the word.
0: That's good (laughs)
1: good. Um, because I'm so mad about this issue. Uh, Yeah, Um, (laughs) um, just put the kibosh on doing uh, on doing anything with this legislation.
2: Claire, there's a kicker. Bizarrely, immigration comes up in the bill, and it's a Trump-style view of immigration. What does it do?
1: Yeah, so clearly this is um, Assembly Republicans putting poison pills into this legislation to ensure that Democrats aren't going to vote for it. So the bill um, that the, the Assembly Republicans introduced says that police are required to notify immigration authorities if defendants or a convicts of sexual assault um, are are in the country undocumented. And uh, the
2: defendants being the people who are accused. Yeah, right?
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. The defendants the people being accused, right? And And you know, I think in this country, if somebody is is a defendant, they have a right to stand trial. And by including this sort of this this really, Polarized issue of of immigration and specifically, um, you know, "quote unquote" illegal or undocumented immigration into this debate. They're playing politics with the lives of of people who are are rape victims. Um, and then there's also another provision that allows uh, student victims to enter Wisconsin's school choice program, as if as if it's some sort of consolation prize um, for for sort of the horrible assault that they that they went through, or that
2: somehow it's safer there. Which I don't believe it. I don't know of any data that would suggest such a thing.
1: Yeah, and and again, it's just an it's just another example of choosing sort of the two one of two of the most hyper politicized issues facing Wisconsin right now, and inserting them into this bill to guarantee that something that is designed to protect victims will not advance sheerly for for political reasons, and that is shameful.
0: So there okay. you have it. That was that was eleven minutes of the garbage that came out of the legislature, uh, the assembly this week. Um, And by the way, when we were supposed to be talking about education. With that, we got to take a break. When we come back, we're going to be joined by Alex Brower, who is running for comptroller here in Milwaukee. Uh, We have never, ever really talked much to a comptroller, but we're talking to Alex because he has some big ideas that we thought would be interesting to other people around the state to hear. We'll be back with Alex. You're listening to the Battleground Wisconsin, your Citizen Action. Welcome back to the Battleground Wisconsin. Again, we're Citizen Action. You can find us at citizenactionwi.org. We are joined, uh, we're very fortunate to be joined, by Alex Brower. Alex is a Citizen Action co-op member and also running for city comptroller. Alex, thanks for uh, joining us.
3: Yeah, thanks for having me on the program today, Matt. I really appreciate it.
0: So Alex is running for the City of Milwaukee Comptroller. And, um, well, you know, you may be thinking, this is a statewide show. Why are we having a comptroller candidate from Milwaukee? Well, we're having Alex because Alex is running on a vision that is unlike what we have ever heard from a comptroller. And uh, it's a very progressive vision. So, Alex, tell us uh, a couple of some of the really exciting things that uh, you're proposing and why you're running for Comptroller.
3: Yeah, no, I really appreciate the opportunity, Matt, and thank you. Um, we're running a really progressive platform to, to change the way our economy's working. I'm running um, uh, a couple of the really progressive things I'm talking about is I'm, I'm advocating for the city of Milwaukee, and municipalities all across the state could do this, to our understanding of the statutes. I'm running to establish a public bank which is the idea that the government would own and charter a bank that would be the depository for the government's money. And we could use, um, through the power of lending, we could use those deposits to put capital and resource into distressed communities and and really create an economy that works for everybody and not just the rich. Um, I'm also advocating for the city uh, to use a little-known law to replace We Energies with a municipal utility so that we can uh, fully implement the green new deal here in Milwaukee.
0: Well, that's big stuff here. So talk more about that and why that's so important uh, in your platform. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Well, and, and yeah, I know, right. I I think one of the ways, one of the strategies I think we should be employing as progressives at the local and national level is to be running on things that are going to excite working class people and get them out to the polls. Um, That's my theory of change. Well, I know, I know a bunch of folks share that theory of change as well, but I really think we should be implementing it as best as we can. Um, We don't want to be talking about things that are completely impossible, right? Or that would be completely outside of the jurisdiction of the governments that we're operating in. But I think we should be finding things um, that maybe even people aren't even talking about uh, that are unit of governments can work on and we should be advocating for those and so with with the we energies piece there's actually a law a state law for your listeners out there it's chapter 197 of the state statutes that the chapter is entitled municipal acquisition of utilities so folks can can look that up and and check that out but any municipality in the state of wisconsin including towns including villages um, under the statutes can use eminent domain to purchase the electrical infrastructure from uh, their uh, public utility and operate it as a municipal utility. And then obviously what happens then is we have citizen control of the electrical infrastructure. Uh, there's a lot of regulation and statutes about how these municipal utilities operate, but the long and short of it is is that there's public accountability for how those munis operate. And that's what we're trying to do here in Milwaukee is actually have an entity that's not accountable to shareholders, but accountable to voters. Um, and so this is going to allow us to, to make a decision, but beyond just what, you know, what the rates are and, and what kind of services we provide, this will allow us to make decisions about how quickly we transition to a hundred percent renewable energy economy. Um, and right now those decisions, um, are being made behind closed doors or oh, or public Alex. organizations like Citizen Action and others are are asking nicely when really we should be in the driver's seat making those decisions ourselves. Hey, Alex. For how, we, how fast we move. Yeah.
2: I, I want to commend you, this is Robert, uh, first of all, on actually running to use the full power of your office and also use the kind of public position of the office to advocate for even bigger things. And we have just had... In the kind of attack on our own democracy in the last 40 years, uh, this mm-hmm. kind of tendency to have office holders who you barely know they're there. And what's the point of having public elections? I mean, a comptroller's office, <laughs> we have people running saying that they're the best accountant. You know what? There are a bunch of professional accountants who do the work. We need someone who's <laughs> accountable to the public who is also overseeing the accountants, right? Uh, exactly. how, how is the public yeah, gonna well... know who's the best accountant, right? And then my second thing, <laughs> Is, and by the way, we think that Sarah Godlewski, the state treasurer, has shown the way to other candidates around the state like you are on how you can do this. The second thing is, you could not be more right about We Energies. The for profit, investor owned utilities are literally a threat to the species because they are making money off of fossil fuels. And if they will not act in the public interest, they've actually went and went through the Walkers rigged up uh, PSC to get rules that actually punish solar, right? Then we mm-hmm. could take them over. There's the same movement in Chicago to take over Commonwealth Edison, which, um, which is more progressive than We Energys. We Energys is the worst I know of, and certainly the worst in the state. So I want to commend you for using this campaign to bring that up and to think about actually using the full capacity of your office, which means making democracy and government work in my book.
3: No, and I really, I really appreciate that. And that's what this is about. And just to touch on Sarah Godlewski, because I really want to say right here to your listeners too, that if if she wouldn't have done what she's been doing, I wouldn't be able to do what I'm doing. Uh, Right. And and her campaign was really an inspiration for, for this campaign for city controller, because she took what some would perceive a sleepy office and she's making it into a leadership position. And, and that's what I intend to do with the comptroller's office too, is make it an office that's a, a leadership position. Now, granted, I should say for the listeners, you know, the Comptroller, just like any other elected official, doesn't have unilateral authority to implement these things, right? I won't just be able to pull a piece of paper out of the typewriter and put my signature and seal on it and make it happen, but leaders lead and leaders are a part of movements and they and they activate community organizations like Citizen Action, like Block, like Voces de la Frontera to, um, uh, to make change in the city. Elected comptrollers all over the country, especially at the municipal level, are advocating for change. Um, Somebody who I had the the pleasure of meeting with a few months ago is New York City's comptroller Scott Stringer, who is an elected Democrat. And he was actually running for mayor now, but um, he is the comptroller currently, and he's using the office to call out the mayor. And he's using the office to to hold agencies accountable at city government. And so even if so, I would challenge your listeners um, to look at things they're considering running for, and I hope they are considering running for office somewhere, um, and look at those offices and, and look just beyond what it says on paper that that office can do because there's there's duties either in, in municipal charters or as far as Sarah godlewski is concerned in the state charter there's specific duties but we should be also just looking at what's the purview of that unit of government and what can I do as a leader in that unit of government to make a change overall uh, related to issues that 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 unit of government can tackle
0: well Alex I'll just say um, you know this segment that you're on normally would be reserved for state treasurer, Godlewski. And uh, she is looking forward to coming back on the show. Uh, Talked, uh, got in touch last night and couldn't, couldn't be on, so we're thrilled that you you know to have you and someone who is thinking about how we use an office uh, to do big things and, and to live out our values uh, is mm-hmm. is very exciting and uh, is great to hear this vision. And Robert? we're proud you're both citizen action of Wisconsin yes. uh, organizing co-op members. Absolutely, oh, that's and and that's yeah. the kind of vision we want to encourage. We want to encourage people to run and to run with bold visions and put that front and center and run on their values and not you know. Just sort of the whatever the constraints are of the, of the uh, current uh, time or condition. Um, so, well, Alex. Um, okay, are we done. No, no, uh, we got a couple of minutes. Robert has one more question.
2: Yeah. Yeah, please. Let's talk. I know we have a statewide audience, so we don't want to get too in depth into Milwaukee politics, but. You have two opponents. One, as I said, is currently works at the controller's office and is running at the best accountant. I'm sure she is mm-hmm. a good person. And uh, I have no reason not to think that anyway. I don't know her. And the other uh, is Representative Jason Fields. Uh, and I've not received anything. I've received things in the mail from you and from uh, the other candidate, Sawa. I think you pronounce it. Uh, S-A-W-A. Yeah. But I got something from a pack run by a former conservative radio host, Sherwin Hughes, <laughs> telling us all about how Jason Fields uh, somehow will be a better watchdog and hold things a Cowboy, and there's a crying woman on the front. I'm not sure why she's crying about the Comptroller's office, but maybe you can shed some light on what Mr. Fields might be running on. He's well known as a voucher proponent in the state legislature.
3: Yeah, you know, I haven't seen that particular piece of literature, so I won't comment on it. But um, what I will say is that is that Jason Fields is a, is a corporate Democrat, and we can't have any more of those types of folks in elected office in this state, um, and that, that goes statewide, right? We need to have Democrats who are... When we have safe Democratic districts, we need to have, like what Jason Fields represents, we need to have the most progressive candidates uh, representing uh, representing those districts. And when we have an opportunity like this with an open seat for city controller, we need to, as as progressives in this state, use those opportunities to put the most progressive person um, in control in those offices. I um, am glad to see Jason willing to use the office. Uh, more than it's currently being used, so well, I'll give that to him. But I, but I don't think he's going to use it in the most progressive way.
0: Well, look, I'll just say you're clearly defining the agenda. This is I've never received this level of comptroller information. So, anyways, Alex, <laughs> I, right? Alex is on the ballot this Tuesday again, folks. Want to remind everybody get out and vote this Tuesday. But we have got to wrap up this edition of the Battleground Wisconsin. Uh, we're really fortunate to speak with you today, Alex. Thanks for uh, being a member. Thanks for running for office, and. Thanks for uh, joining us today.
3: Yeah, and thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it.
0: You bet. And we got to wrap this one up. want to thank Brian Wildridge, our producer, who makes it happen every week. Again, folks, get out and vote on Tuesday. Make sure you uh, talk to your family and friends and get them also out to vote. But we will call it a wrap. You're listening to The Battleground Wisconsin.